0: This is Angela Trimber from Final Girls and Halloween 2. Take my advice, don't go out there. Oh, hi.
1: What's your name?
2: (laughs) Max. Best summer ever! Anyone want to help me pick some strawberries?
1: Nope, but I'll give you a hand with
2: those melons. Talking about her boobs. The writing is so bad
3: world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist. It's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome
0: to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast.
3: Welcome back everybody to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast, powered by the big three Up. Uh, just want to thank all our fans and listeners. I really appreciate all the support and the listens. Uh, you guys have been so supportive and awesome. We really appreciate it. Uh, before we jump into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout-out to our, our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Uh, everything that you need to know about this podcast or want to find out, just, uh, just go to our website. we got all our episodes, our interviews. Brian actually just uh, redid our interview section, so all of those are listed for you. It uh, looks great. Uh, we got our store, our blog. And we've got uh, all of our social media links on there, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, Go give us a follow, a like, a subscription on all that. And, uh, you know, we get a lot of fans who ask us how they can support us, help us. You know, we would never, you know, ask or beg for your money, but if you want to help us, just check out our blood donors. We have different level of tiers of how you can support us and,
1: By now, you've heard about our Patreon-esque tier donation program, you know, to help with things like web hosting, podcast hosting, and just basically keeping the lights on, called Blood Donors, and by God, you want to help. Well, let me tell you more. We have different donation levels with tons of different perks, from, you know, an autographed picture, an on-air shout-out, to picking a movie and joining us for an episode. Well, joining some of us, if you pick Jason X, I'm calling in sick that day. Um, you know, and we, and we know that we could never repay your generosity and we have some of the best fans in the world, but if you'd like to go ahead and donate even just $5, please go to don'tgooutthere.com, click donate, um, disclaimer, we are referring to donating money and not actual blood, uh, which makes this next part super awkward, but Oh yes, there will be blood but that's a figure of speech, not real blood, you animals.
3: It really means a lot that you guys uh, have supported us like you have since we started that. And uh, tonight, is speaking of that, is legendary tier Donor and one of the best fans we have of this show and a personal friend of all of ours, Miss Shan. She's back uh, with a very different movie from the one she reviewed with us last time. <laughs> went from a, a, cinema, a cinema classic, uh, one of the greatest of all times, uh maybe not your favorite movie, but just for what it did and its impact. But uh Shane, you want to go ahead and announce your pick and give us your general thoughts?
2: Yeah, so the movie I picked, um, I kind of stumbled upon it a couple years ago. It's the movie Final Girls, and when it comes to horror, there's so many different sh- subgenres out there, and I have a few that I tend to gravitate towards. Meta, which sorry Nico, I know you hate. <laughs> Horror comedy, and I love 80s slashers. So that's why Scream, Cabin in the Woods, and New Nightmare are some of my favorite movies. Which is kind of how I stumbled into this one. I think it was one of those, like, I was watching Cabin in the Woods, and, like, I'd watched it on Amazon or whatever, and it was like, oh, because you watched this, you might like this one. And it's basically, like, labeled as being a love letter to 80s slashers. And in this movie, you have characters that like are direct homages to especially my favorite of the big three horror series Nightmare on Elm Street with uh, some of the characters taking their names directly from that movie. Um, But the movie is more than just that. Like, I don't do chick flicks, never have, not really a thing of mine. This is about as close as I come to something. And that's, I think, kind of why I like this movie is, is it's it's horror, it's comedy, but there's also some drama to it because you have this other level where you're looking at the relationship between a mother and a daughter. And I mean, I've watched this movie with my daughter a few times and we both enjoy it. I understand obviously some complaints some people have, it's a PG 13 rating, but it was actually kind of nice because I was able to like introduce it to my daughter when she was, I don't know, like probably 12 or so without the excessive nudity, excessive gore of some of the other movies. So, I mean, it's a fun movie. I like the characters, wanted to do... There was a lot of improvisation when it came to the script, so, like, listening to these people interact, like, it feels more natural, um, which I think is part of why I like it. And then the last part of it is you have, like, a movie that obviously you could have gone... With the R rating, which originally they were going to do with New Line, and then, but New Line wanted to cut out all of the emotional side of it. So Sony ended up picking it up, and they were okay with the emotional part, but they wanted to cut down on the boobs and the gore and all of that. So there could be some changes to the movie, but I think as a whole it's fun. It's something that I can kind of throw in whenever I still laugh throughout it. <laughs> And it's just, I think it's a great combination of several different types of movies.
3: All right, I'll go next real quick. Uh, no offense, Shan, I showed J- Jaws a lot of love. But but like you mentioned, uh, this sub is not my particular favorite. I didn't hate the movie, but I definitely will say I didn't really like it that much. Brian, you want to go next?
1: <laughs> yeah, I've actually always really liked this movie. I mean, there there are some things that I really wish were different, of course, but... I think that uh director Todd Strauss schulson and the writers really gave this movie a lot of heart uh, a lot of emotion um you know it, it's like shan said it's pg thirteen thanks to the damn studio interference but it's it's such a fun premise you know we, we talked off the air about it being just like last action hero which it is you know combined with obviously a ton of other movies but you know, it takes that fun premise of Last Action Hero. It it takes my love for self-aware meta, uh, my love for 80s, basically Friday the 13th-esque horror movies. And, you know, obviously I said it off, off air too. Admittedly, my biggest reason for even watching this when it first came out in the first place, before I really knew a whole lot about it, was my love since Watchmen for Malin Ackerman. And... uh <laughs> Uh, it just it just combines everything together for for what I've always thought is just a fun little slasher homage horror comedy you know it's borderline spoof but uh, I think that it has enough heart in it that that the spoof part isn't really the focus here for me anyway
4: yeah so I'd never heard uh, I've heard of this movie I guess but I'd never seen this movie until a couple days ago Um nico apologized because he was going to hate on this after giving jaws a lot of love i'm going to do the opposite um this movie is much more enjoyable to me than jaws jaws is obviously a better movie so don't get me wrong i'm not going to discredit my opinion in movies and and criticisms movie uh off of this one but as far as enjoyability goes it's a much easier watch it's it's funny adam divine is hilarious to me um so i'm I was all the way in when I saw that he was in this movie. Uh, and he's got some of the best one-liner or you know dialogue in, in recent history of the podcast or the movies that we reviewed on the show. Absolutely. So, so I was all in. Um, it's a fun movie. Like Brian said, it touches on a lot of things that we love in movies that Nico hates. And <laughs> it's if you guys will remember when I was watching it for the first time the other night, I don't think I was all the way through the first like three minutes of the movie, and I texted in our group chat and I said, "What the hell am I watching?" And then <laughs> it got so much better. So yeah, I was I was excited to watch it. I'm definitely going to watch this again. So uh, I'm excited to do this review.
1: All right, y'all got any more opening thoughts before you jump into it? One one thing I did want to say is, and I know this is an impossible thing because of licensing or whatever, but. Man, I wanted this to be Jason so badly. And and I think that it's just everything is just like so close to it. And, you know, oh, except the mask. It's it's so bad. I hate the mask so much. Part of me wishes like this was almost a, a new Nightmare type Friday movie, maybe. But, but Friday the 13th. But yeah, I just I wanted to say that I think the mask is terrible.
4: Oh, I think that's I think it was intentional, though.
2: I no joke, maybe, I actually but... wrote this down and I don't know why it reminded me of this. And Dustin, I know you at least like the movie House of a Thousand Corpses. When Absolutely. they're wearing those like homemade masks at the dinner table before everything goes bonkers, like his yeah. mask honestly reminded me of those masks.
4: <laughs> I could see it. I can see it for sure. And while we're on the mask, I mean I did read that the uh, the original mask had much more pronounced eyebrows.
1: <laughs> and, yeah, I read that.
4: Uh, they called it the Eugene Levy mask. Yeah. And it's actually
1: visible in one scene in the in the movie. But yeah, I thought that was hilarious. Speaking of Eugene Levy, you know he's like a sneaky old. That dude's like seventy eight years old. He does not look like that. He's just like he's he's one of those sneaky old guys like Nick Saban.
3: Yeah, right. <laughs> uh before we jump into the scene by scene, I just want to apologize if anyone hears any fireworks in the background. My neighbors a. Uh, are having a great time watching fireworks right now. But anywho, we'll jump into the scene by scene. The film starts with a narrator welcoming us to Camp Bluefinch. We see counselors at the camp and we're introduced to Billy Murphy, the slasher. It was just a trailer that Max was watching on her phone in the car though. Her mom Amanda gets in the car with her. She tells her they'll let her know if she got the role. She regrets her role from Camp Bloodbath. She says never do a slasher flick. Max tells her mom about the electric bill but she brings up her man she's apparently exclusive with, but he doesn't act exclusive with her. Mama now throws the bills out the window. Their song comes on the radio, and they start to carpool karaoke together. She says she's gotten everything in her life wrong, except having her. I wrote, she's not paying attention to the road very well, and they get into a wreck, and the car flips over repeatedly. (laughs) Now we get a title card. Three years later, Max wakes up at 2.16 p.m., kind of like in House of Wax, and she takes a shower. She watches uh, She watches home movies of her and her mom, and her aunt says her friend Gertie is here. They drive off and chat about Chris asking her to come study, and his tone in which he asked, and she's only going so she doesn't flunk. Gertie brings up his ex in her Facebook post. The two join Chris, and they're studying in a diner. Max freaks out when she sees Duncan. He joins them and asks about her joining his fan club, for a screening of Camp Bloodbath. He now says he cried when he found out he was getting a sister. <laughs> but not like Gertie. He tells him how Camp Bloodbath is a cult classic. And of his mother's death in the movie. She storms off but, but he offers to do all of her assignments. If she makes an appearance. Gertie and Max walk up to the theater. And she brings up Chris oogling over Max. Chris is there to give Max moral support. He now brings up how gorgeous her mom was in honoring her memory but it's her mom's death anniversary. Chris's ex-girlfriend stops in the, stop in the car, and she jokes about how funny Tyson is, and I wrote that she's a stage five clinger. Uh, we're in the theater now, and she's talking about all her, her school applications and how she takes Adderall. Chris goes to get popcorn and M&Ms for him and Max, but Vicky j- decides to join him. Duncan shows up and is excited to see Max, and he wants her to do a Q&A panel. Then I just wrote, movie time. The film starts to a cheer from the audience. Max smiles when her mom appears on the screen. She tells the story of Billy Murphy and the and the prank the counselors did on him. They bullied him and threw firecrackers into the outhouse with him in it. This guy this guy in the audience starts smoking, and the audience gets a good laugh from the movie. Some guys drop a vodka bottle, and the guys' uh, ashes from him smoking drop to the floor. Max goes to walk out, and the theater catches on fire. And I just wrote chaos. Max gets to her friends, and they go through the they go through the exit behind the screen. That's the first two scenes we got. Brian, go ahead and kick us off.
1: I I actually love this opening. Um, just again, so much heart. Uh, the relationship, uh, you know, Malin Ackerman's Nancy has with uh, daughter Thaisa Farmiga reminds me so much of the relationship that I have with my son. And you know, again, it's just it's very relatable. And there's just a whole lot of heart here from a relationship standpoint in this whole entire movie. Um, You know, you talked about the PG 13 rating earlier. The, the studio actually told them they had to cut the mother daughter plot line to get the R rating. And I'm glad that they didn't, because to me, this movie wouldn't be the same thing without it, you know, and, and such props to, to Ellie Smolkin, the cinematography in this movie to me is unreal. There are some absolutely beautiful shots And just 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 I mean, things are shots that I think are just really cool that I'll point out throughout this. And, you know, there's one here in this opening with the following the car with Nancy and Max driving. It's almost even hard to explain what the camera does in this, but I absolutely loved it. And the uh, the different shots of the theater you get, you get a pan from the top then from the side showing it all the the shots of the bottle rolling to the screen, the cigarette dropping, the shot of of Max cutting into the screen the same time as Billy. I thought the whole thing was gorgeous. Very well done. And uh honestly I thought Thaisa was Vera's daughter or something. I didn't know I didn't know it was her sister. Um <laughs> you know I didn't know that there was that big of an age gap there. But she's yeah, an amazing like 21 years. Yeah, she's an amazing lead in this. Um, does tremendous um, and actually they look almost identical. Now for the CG car crash, I think it looked pretty bad you know, like nineties bad. And this was a 2015 flick. So definitely got to do better on that. Agreed. Um, You know, all in all, I really like this group of scenes again. I, I love the play on the last action hero. Um, weird tangent here, but I think this reminds me of like stuff I used to relate to when I was little, like, the Indian in the cupboard, I was always like, man, I wish they put like these toys in here, like toys I had. I liked, you know, like Batman or whatever. Um, Last section hero. I used to say that the same thing, man, I wish they'd do this with like a horror movie or something. And we almost got it perfect. Like if it was actually the license Friday the 13th stuff, this movie to me would be off the charts. Um, So stay tuned for when we write our own horror sequels. I've had something in mind for a while that Nico is going to really (laughs) hate. But fun fact, lastly, I found out while I was actually pulling this movie up to watch it, um, Alexander Ludwig starred in the uh, the Final Girls here and Final Girl in the same year, 2015. Uh, it's and that's also IMDb fun. IMDb fun fact: Also, Ludwig's mother, Charlene Martin, appeared in Friday the Thirteenth Part Eight, Jason Takes Manhattan, as Tamara Mason. Great movie. <laughs> oh God, go <laughs> ahead. <laughs>
2: So I like how it opened with like the trailer and it's got that gritty VHS feel like it's, it's been around for a little while. Like think that works. I have to laugh every time, like all of a sudden Max seems surprised as she looks down, there's these headshots between her feet though. I'm like, you, you had to know they were there. And then, but so sh- as she's looking at him, it's like, she flips it over and sees like all the stuff that her mom has done. And Basically all those movies are similar to things that are real. The only real one movie-wise that's on there is Chopping Mall. The other ones are just similar to other horror movies that are out there. Um, but I like the dynamic of like watching them like once her mom has come out and they're talking and I mean, you can tell that Max is the more mature one essentially, like she she is in the adult role like mom is still like chasing after the movie star dreams. Talking about the boyfriend who is blowing her off, like, and Max is sitting there like, okay, these are the bills we need to figure this stuff out, like, and Mom's just like, okay, toss it out the window, don't care, like, and then it's just it's so it's interesting to watch, and you'll see it play out a little bit more later in the movie. I I love the dialogue between Duncan and Gertie when he is talking about he was so excited to get a sister, but not like this. Like, I don't care. I laugh every time. It's just, like, the delivery of it. And it's, like, you can see people actually talking that way. When they get to the movie theater when they're still outside and Max is talking about it's the anniversary of the death and Chris literally says, I don't know what to say. I mean, I, I think that's a pretty natural reaction. Like, if you haven't gone through something like that, like what are you going to say that's going to make the person feel better? Like you just, you really don't know. So just a couple examples of why I like the dialogue in this movie too. It's, it just, it feels natural. And we've seen plenty of movies where the dialogue is just horrible. So Vicky and her talking about the Adderall, this is the first of several jokes throughout the movie. The director literally spent days cooped up in a hotel, all hopped up on Adderall as he was like working on the script. And then the script for the movie, actually, one of the writers, he is the son of the one priest in The Exorcist, Father Karis. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. So this was this movie was his way of like kind of dealing with the death of his father. Of uh, how do you when you are in Hollywood and you you have a parent that's on the screen like. How do you process dealing with that? And that was kind of why he wrote this movie was because, I mean, you're still going to see your parents up on film. And so this was kind of like his way of dealing after his dad passed away. So I think the first couple set of scenes work really well. Like I said, I think the interaction between the actors Goes well as well as the way that the dialogue goes, because like I said earlier, the director really encouraged them. Like, there's points where they were allowed to improvise, and if it worked, it worked.
4: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when we're watching the trailer, this is when I texted the guys in the group chat, and I was like, "What the hell am I watching?" Because I, I didn't know, any, I didn't read about the movie before I watched it. I just hit play, and so I see this, and I'm like, "Oh my god, this is going to be one of those." like over the top cheesy movies the whole way. And it is, but I thought it was going to be like a serious one. You know, like I didn't know that it was a last action hero type thing. I just thought that this movie is a spoof of an eighties horror movie to where it's over the top cheesy and I'm going to hate it. But I was, was, I've never been happier that I was wrong. You know, then we get to her in the car. I don't, I didn't take it as she was shocked to find those mug shots. I think it was like one of those things like they've been there so long, she's like, "Hmm, I forgot these are here. Let's look at it because I haven't looked at it in a while." So that's why the way I took that. But the the scene in the in the car with her mom, man that that was awesome. Like Taisa Farmiga is an incredible actor. She her yes. nonverbal acting skills, yes. make scenes. Mm-hmm. Like she sells her emotions with her eyes and her facial expression and her body uh, body language. Not just in this movie though; it's like everything she's ever been in. Because I told the guys uh, an idea I have for a future episode or series of episodes. I want to review, uh, season one of American horror story.
2: Excellent. excellent
4: She's so great in that. And, uh, you know, I, I I think she's a phenomenal actress and this set of scenes, uh, this movie is quote unquote bad as the movie may be. I enjoy the hell of it, but it's quote unquote bad by critic standards as it may be. She is awesome in this, but, um, you know and then i love the dynamic with the mom uh you know i think the mom's trying to i i think that yes you're right she is the emotionally immature one of the two but also i think she's just trying to get max to hey don't worry about that i'll i'll figure it out be a kid let's have some fun yeah um yeah i i, ha- I hated i hated the reason for the wreck like she spills her coffee on the headshots like I would have much rather a car run a red light and hit them or a drunk driver swerve across the line. Like that just seemed, come on, you're going to drop your car. I don't know. That bothered me for some reason, but uh, then we get to meet the friends. And like you guys, I love Gertie and uh, I love the dynamic there with Duncan as well. And the, the dialogue was great. When we get to the movie theater, First of all, what kind of movie theater or what kind of building in general can you smoke in that's not a 21 and up establishment these days? So, I think
2: it's like, kind of like, um, like if you ever go to a Rocky Horror Picture viewing at midnight, that's what this viewing reminded me of.
4: You can smoke in those,
2: I mean, not in I, Pennsylvania, but I don't know. I mean, yeah, that's what I was about everything else,
4: yeah. I, I mean, I guess it just and then. I mentioned it on Freddy versus Jason episode. I believe that's the episode I mentioned it. But I'm going to mention it again here. Alcohol has to be at least 100 proof to be flammable. <laughs> I, so, thought of you. I thought of you as soon as I saw that. I was like, so, oh,
1: Dustin's going to hate this.
4: <laughs> if that crazy son of <laughs> bitch is just sitting there sipping on 100 plus proof alcohol <laughs> with no chaser like it's nothing while he's watching a movie, then <laughs> that's the kind of guy I want to party with, first of all.
1: <laughs>
4: but the fact that he dropped the liquor bottle and it caught fire is just not really plausible you know unless he's drinking some fucking 151 rum or something I don't know but anyway 151 rum (laughs) good set of scenes here I was initially not so stoked about them but then just completely changed my tune and went all the way in I don't think that that's ever happened
3: that fast in a movie All right, Max wakes up and she's outside in like a forest now Chris joins her, and they don't know where they are. Now the rest of the crew joins them. They see the van from the movie pull up. They ask if they know the way to Camp Bluefinch. They're speechless, and they drive off from them. Max thinks she's having, like, a psychotic dream or something. Uh, The screen shows 92 minutes later, and the van drives up again. Uh, Chris gives them directions, and they drive off. Gertie says they're insane. Duncan times it, and another 92 minutes later, the van arrives again. Duncan says they're counselors and they just need a ride and they'll show them where it's at. They get in the van and Kurt asks where their luggage is. And he says their clothes are awful. Kurt says we're here and for them to wake up Nancy. Max is in shock as she chats with her mom with tears in her eyes. They all exit the van and Nancy says this is the summer that changes her life. Duncan says we're okay in the movie. They want to go home, but he says it's 1986. They don't even exist yet. Duncan says everyone who has sex dies. Kurt has Nancy touch his arms. Vicky asks Kurt if they can borrow the van, and Kurt gets a good laugh. He chunks the keys and says, "If they can find them, they can borrow the, the van." Max approaches Nancy and helps her hang up flyers. She tells Max about Kurt wanting to do it, and she thinks Kurt could help her along since she's inexperienced, or since he's experienced. Tina is t- Tina is twerking on Chris, and Chris gets away and drags Max off. Nancy says none of them are on the counselor's roster. The five of them are looking for the keys, and they hear a rustle. Mimi is greeted by, and this is what IMDb listed. I'm not saying it. He's the hunky hiker, and they flirt and kiss. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I like how you do that. Hey, we,
3: Brian, cut, cut that out
4: when Nico said
1: IMDb says. Just
4: make it sound like Nico called him the hunky hiker.
1: And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it like on repeat because gets the hunky, hunky, hunky hiker. I'm
3: not hating. Uh, he, he wasn't a bad-looking man. Then we hear the slasher score, and he appears. They stop kissing, thinking they heard something. Mimi turns around, and Billy kills the hitchhiker. He appears behind Mimi, choking her and tossing her towards the others. They run off, besides Duncan, and he says that he won't kill them since they're not part of the movie. Duncan goes to taste the blood thing in his corn syrup, but it's not. It's real blood. He says movies like this end when the final girl kills the villain and explains how Billy is killed. He says Paula appears in the next reel, and she's the final girl. Billy walks towards Duncan and he gets tense. Then he walks away. They all laugh and Duncan pisses his pants. Then all of a sudden the machete is thrown into his side and he falls to the ground. The others take off running in a loop past Kurt and Tina. They, then they finally realize what's happening. All right, go ahead, Brian. This is the next two scenes.
1: Yeah, I actually have the most about these uh, group of scenes right here. So just kind of bear with me here. Um, This may be a hot take right off the bat, but Duncan, I hate his character. Like I, I know he's supposed to be us, uh the horror nerds, the fanboy, you know, and nothing against Thomas Middleditch. There's just some there's just something about Duncan that it's just I don't know, I can't stand. Um I definitely wouldn't be his friend in real life. Um Wow bully. I mean if I was in the movie, but yeah, anyway. Uh Adam Devine though in this, I'm like Dustin, absolutely love. You know, we we mentioned about him having the the freedom to improvise a lot and uh him and Strauss apparently you know, improvise the most. And that just kind of shows, you know, his brilliance. I mean, as good as some of this is, especially the outtakes at the end of the movie. um, He's great. Honestly, if Taysa is the heart of this movie, which I said she was, he steals the show for me. And, and little fun fact here the the writers modeled Nancy after Amy Steele's character, Jenny from Friday 13th part two. Ackerman, I think does a good job, you know, in her acting prowess going from playing a normal mom at the start to to now an actress playing an actress um giving that 80s horror movie performance but not too over the top like some of the other characters um obviously Nancy being named for Elm Street's Nancy and and Tina being named for Elm Street's and both friend of the shows by the way Amanda Wait, uh, Wiss. and uh you can listen to Heather camp's interview on dongather.com And find Amanda's intro for us on our first ever episode. And Angela Trimber, who plays Tina here, friend of the show as well, did the intro for this episode for us. And crazy enough, we just talked about her in Halloween 2 last week, where she played Lori's friend Harley. So uh, as far as the scenes go, you know, the first time that Max sees Nancy in the car, it was emotional. Um, Obviously, Thaisa does a tremendous job, uh, but I wanted to stay in that moment a little more, you know, a little longer. I felt like it kind of jumped a little too quick into the comedy aspect, you know, with with Tina hanging out the window as they're arriving at the camp. Um, There's also so many circular one shot pans, camera spins, transitions. It adds so much to this. It's so unique. I know I keep harping on it, but I love it so much. Um, especially the end of this scene where they keep running past Tina and Kurt over and over, and it gives you that that one-shot illusion. I mean, I say illusion because if there's any cuts in it, I didn't see them. And lastly, Lauren Gross says, Mimi, we more than hardly, we never knew you. You know, fun fact, she was actually in uh, Pitch Perfect with Devine and American Horror Story, I believe, with Farmiga. But Duncan's supposed death, blah. His whole thing is just, to me, it was like, it was just annoying. Like all this stuff, like every, like all the kills, you know, I wish, you know, would have showed more obviously, but I wish this knife would have went through his chest. Um, I wish he would have died, which not just because he annoyed me. And I know that probably sounds bad after I just got done talking about I didn't like his character, but that's one of the things I had an issue with about this movie is I wish more of the real world people didn't survive inside the movie because spoiler they do, but uh, they didn't. Yeah, I, I saw that, and I wish they would have uh, stuck stuck to that. But um, I'll talk more about that at the end. But I think it would have raised the stakes some more, and I really wanted that as a change in this movie. But
2: So when they first wake up in the forest, the director wanted to be extremely bright, colorful, distinguish that they were all of a sudden somewhere else. Um, to me, it kind of had a feel like with Wizard of Oz, where you go from black and white to wait where you wake up and it's in Technicolor. Um, and even Duncan says, I don't think we're in the Valley anymore. Similar to Dorothy saying, or I think it was Dorothy that said, we aren't in Kansas anymore. And then this van pulls up and the look on all of their faces is like just shock. And I mean, yeah, you would literally think that either you you died in that fire or you something. And then once they're in the van, it's like, Even just like the hash and back and forth between and like when Devine is making fun of their clothes and Vicky's like, says the one in the crop top, which was like super typical in eighties movies. And I, I don't know why that was a thing with guys back then, but I mean, we saw it in nightmare on Elm street and however many other movies, but I like how they just, they interact. But like you said, yeah, I think they should have like stayed on, the relationship between like Max reacting to who essentially is her mom sitting up. And it's like the shock of, okay, she had lost her three years ago. And yes, obviously she knows it's not her mom, but I mean, it is her mom. And that's, it's like a hard thing for her to deal with. And then once they're like at the camp and everything, um, the line where uh, Nancy actually says, Tina says the best feeling is getting stoned and having sex on a waterbed. This is actually like, a, they, they tweaked it slightly, but it's actually a line out of the movie Pieces, like super early 80s. Yeah,
1: I've never seen that.
2: Uh, with the name Pieces, it's basically exactly what you think it would be. <laughs> it's actually on, Shud- or it was on Shutter. I don't know if it still is. But then as Max and Nancy are interacting, like, and she says, you sound like my mom. And that reminds me of the car scene, like I said earlier, where it seems like Max is almost the more mature one in the mother-daughter relationship. When they're, when oh, when Duncan tasted the blood, I was like, no, no, yeah, there's zero chance, even if I thought it was corn syrup, I'm going to be doing that. So the character of Billy, obviously the, the initial impression we get is like, this is basically copying Friday the 13th. They actually said Billy's like a combination of three slasher characters rolled into one. Obviously, yes, Jason, based on how he looks and who he goes after. Like he's going after people at a camp. The name came from the killer in Black Christmas. But the backstory is actually more similar to Cropsy out of The Burning, which I there's a lot of people out there who have actually never heard of the movie. Um, it came out the year after Friday the 13th, even though it was actually, according to Tom Savini, was actually written before Friday the 13th. Savini Hmm. actually chose to not do the special effects on Friday the 13th Part 2 because he wanted to work on The Burning. So in there, it's not...
1: Isn't isn't the killer named Billy in Silent Night, Deadly Night too?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think it is. But yeah, so in The Burning, it's... What, he's like a maintenance guy or something at the camp, um, and a bunch of campers, they go to scare him. They put a skull with candles in it, like on his bedside, and he wakes up and ends up knocking it on his bed. The bed catches on fire, then a gas tank or something blows up, so he ends up like horribly burned. Same thing, ends up in the burn ward and agonizes over revenge and then comes back and seeks revenge, So, I mean, the backstory, that's kind of where that one came from. So it's it's a combination of a few different things. And then I like how Duncan makes the point with the final girls. Like, the final girl has to kill the main bad guy, then the credits roll. It's foreshadowing that Max can't have the happy ending. Spoiler. That she's going to want and take Nancy with her when the movie ends. With... The final girl, I mean, that's a trope that we've obviously seen used over the last however many decades. It actually wasn't coined until, I want to say like the early 90s by a film scholar, actually. And it's just, she says the final girl is the one who encounters the mutilated bodies of her friends and perceives the full extent of the preceding horror and of her own peril, who is chased, cornered, wounded, whom we see scream, stagger, fall, rise, and scream again. Like I said, we've seen that over and over, and I just, I like the whole concept of it and how they use it here, where you know you're not going to get the happy ending necessarily that you want. They could have made it. Like you said, you Brian, you wish they would have killed more of the... Uh,
1: the real people. Yeah. yeah,
2: thank you. I was trying to think of the term for it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. The,
4: uh, I got you on that. What you were thinking of the final girl, final girl term. It was coined by Carol J. Clover in her 1992 book, men, women, and chainsaws gender in the modern horror Horror film. So that's where that came from. Um, but on this set of scenes, so I love that Duncan is that much of a horror nerd to where he realized what was happening and then had it down to the second when the van was going to pull back up. Uh, I thought that that was awesome. That's, kind of shows how dedicated to the, the movie he was. Um, man, Kurt is just the best character ever, though. Like, yes. I don't know. I can't name a single character that I've enjoyed more than him. <laughs> and obviously written to reflect the times of the 80s. Yeah. Because the stuff that he says in this film would not fly in 2015 when, you know, in real time. But it was written as a parody. And like when he, when Vicky comes walking up and he said, hey, fun bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, feminism. Yay, feminism. (laughs) Shit. Oh my God, that made me laugh. Uh, Adam Devine is just great in everything though. I loved him in The Righteous Gemstones, obviously Pitch Perfect. uh, And his stand-up on Netflix is great. So maybe I'm being overly biased because I'm a big fan of his in general. But um, yeah, Um, this set of scenes was so... I am a little conflicted um, about like pl- continuity holes, I guess. Because, and we'll, I'm not, I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it till we get to the ending, and I'll, I'll I'll get my grievances out there. But Duncan is bold as shit for just assuming. Oh no, we're not really in the movie, so he can't kill us. We're fine. Like that might be fine. That might be what you what you think. But just standing there and being all bold and trying to take a selfie with him, like he kind of deserved that death at quote-unquote death, um, if you will, foreshadowing. But overall, it's a good set of scenes. Like, I'm I'm just, I'm in. I still don't, I really hate that I love this movie so much at this point.
3: (laughs) All right, now everyone is sitting in a circle singing, and the movie actors are engaged, and the rest are all quiet and confused-looking. Gertie says we have to warn them and tell them about Duncan's death. Paula shows it now, and I wrote, she's a badass. Paula asks about the new counselors. The four divide up and hang with the others. Chris and Kurt look through dirty magazines. Uh, Gertie and Blake they gather firewood. Tina and Vicky are in the kitchen and Vicky thinks that her phone is a uh, is a cassette and Vicky has to snatch her Adderall from her. Kurt says Chris is nuts. Uh, all the girls here, all the girls here are slamming and he's going to do all of them.
1: <laughs> he then
3: asks Chris if he and Max are having sex. He gets offended and attacks Kurt. Vicky asks Paula where they keep the chainsaws at and she's confused. Blake asks Gertie about where her brother is and they hear a rustle in the woods and Gertie gets scared and has them leave. Max walks inside and runs upstairs and stops her mom. He says she's going to get hurt as she goes through with it with Kurt. Nancy says she just wants to feel special and Max says she is to her. Kurt enters shirtless flexing on him. Gertie backs to the window and Billy is outside of it. Gertie yells and everyone enters the living room. And she tells Max they have to talk about Billy Murphy. Nancy says he's just an urban legend. Nancy now tells the legend of Billy Murphy. The room appears to be melting. Then it transitions to another place. It's in black and white and it's a flashback. Summer of 1957. The four see in live action what happened to Billy. Fireworks in the outhouse. Only, now he's like in the burn trauma. Only thing that could distract Billy from the pain of his burns was thinking about what had been done to him and his fear turned into hatred. He made a mask to hide his face. He returned to exact his revenge. He killed eight counselors, one for each month he was in the burn ward. Rumor has it he still lives in the woods. Back to reality and Gertie's face is covered with blood and the counselors run out. Max explains no one can leave until they kill Billy. Max almost reveals she's her mom, and then Paula and Kurt run over Duncan, killing him, then they drive into a pole. Kurt flies out the windshield with gnarly leg bends and the car blows up with Paula in it. Vicky says Paula was supposed to kill Billy, but she's dead. So they're all screwed. All right, Brian, go ahead, man.
1: You know, fireworks in the outhouse actually would be a pretty awesome band name. Just want to throw that out there.
3: Um, Sounds like an IPA.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>
4: no, you know, what you just reminded me of was uh, on Parks and Rec when Andy's trying to come up with new band names and he settles on Mouse Rat. Like I, Fireworks
1: in the outhouse is definitely something Andy from the, uh, from Parks and Rec would come up with. Uh, all right. So to be honest, at the start here, kind of a weird transition, I think, to this whole singing scene. Uh, again, I, I love the one shot around the circle. For someone like me who loves the one shots, this movie is almost an embarrassment of riches for me. But but going from that like last scene with them running from a killer to just, bam, being here, I, I, I think I would have liked to have seen, you know, how that happened, you know, also Duncan and Gertie or brother and sister or like half brother and sister. They, they didn't really give Gertie much of a, like give a shit about the fact that her brother was killed. To be honest, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't care for the writing there, the tone. I didn't feel like it was really, I didn't feel like it was right. Um, Fun fact though, Chloe Bridges, uh, Paula, the badass, the final girl, and uh, Devine actually began dating after this filmed and, and, they're at least engaged. I'm not sure if they're married by now, but they're at least engaged at our time of, you know, right now recording. And this is kind of a question to you guys, too, and to our audience. Who the hell is Blake based on? I, I did, I wasted an embarrassing amount of time actually going through trying to find who Blake was based on because I cannot remember that the earring, everything, I can like see it in my mind and it's some horror movie, but I can't remember for the life of me. Do any of y'all? Is it like a Friday? I couldn't remember if it was a Nightmare on Elm Street or a Friday the Thirteenth film. But there's somebody that I feel like that Blake looks exactly like, especially with the earring. Nobody. Yeah, no. All right. Well, you know, if maybe anybody Enchilada's wants to, write... <laughs> <Enchilado. laughs>
3: for part five.
1: Maybe I don't. I don't know. Did he? He didn't have that ear earring though going on like that. Maybe or maybe he did. I don't remember. Right in. Tell me. Tell me how wrong I am. Let me know. When, uh, when Max stops Nancy from having sex, that moment, again, they do such a good job, like such good chemistry between the two of them. Um, I love Kurt, and I love I love that part, but I wanted to kind of stay in that moment again longer, kind of explore that some more, uh, the conversation that they were having. And I kind of hated that it was interrupted with the comedy, although the genie being out of the bottle, make a wish. Oh, God, that's, that line, hilarious. And that whole scene was hilarious. I just kind of wish... You know I would have stayed a little bit more in that other emotional scene there but anyway dustin brought up the whole scene uh, with the original mask, or the 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 part with the original mask and using levy and um, I think I say 70 80 75 but this is the scene right here where where it shows up where Billy shows up behind Gertie and you can see the original mask in the uh, in the window so if you know that and you go and watch this it's actually pretty funny I loved the effect of the flashback with everything basically melting around them. Uh, I also think it was clever to have Gertie ask if she was colorblind, you know, instead of the obvious, well, why are we in black and white? Um, and come on, like with, with Ludwig stepping over the summer 1957 text as so cool. That's so clever to me. I thought that was great. And lastly, you know, Kurt's death. I'm going to go. That's by far my favorite one in this movie. I'll go ahead and spoil it, you know, and I loved, I loved not only getting to like, see the, uh, the death, which you don't really get too much in this, but um, the CG was a touch wonky on that, but I will give them props for the practical effects on the car explosion. uh, As opposed to the first one in the opener that was CG and looked pretty bad to me, but uh, Duncan being run over though, that, that made me
2: laugh a lot. So (laughs) um, go ahead. So the song they sing opening up, that's throwback to Friday the 13th where they're, sitting around singing the same song their shirts are similar to it like there's so many different like throwbacks homages whatever you want to call them to 80 slashers and that's that's why part of why I love this movie so much is it's just it's fun like you said you were trying to figure out who does Blake who was Blake inspired by and it's like you can i I still keep finding things in this movie I was like, oh okay now I picked that up from something else the uh when Vicky is being kind of a bitch to Max and saying Nancy isn't her mom. I honestly, I get it. Like that's, that's the survival instinct kicking in. Like, you know, this guy's out there. Like he's going to come and kill everybody. Like you are frustrated. like you want to do what you can to try and survive. So yes, she needs to be the bitchy character because as she'll say a little bit later, like that's, she's the mean girl, but her reaction to all of that is actually understandable. And then (laughs) I laugh at the scene where Kurt walks in in his purple Marty McFly, I mean, Calvin Klein underwear. And like, like I said, I, I agree with you where Brian, where it should have been like, you should have stayed in the moment with Max and Nancy a little bit longer, but at the same rate, it's an hour and a half movie. So they did, I mean, it is a quick runtime. So they do transition between scenes a little quicker. And I guess it's a toss up of do you want a two hour movie? Or. Yeah, that's true. Right. So I can see it from both sides. The flashback imagery is just, it was something new. I really, I like the melting into it. Gertie keeps thinking she's having a stroke through this whole thing. But yeah, I mean, the trick that the counselors play on those kids, on Billy, like, Counselors are assholes, like like I don't care even if he was someone that everybody picked on, like, where you think throwing firecrackers at I don't remember if they said how old he was, but it was like it's not a surprise that someone like that would turn around, come back, and start killing everybody at the camp. The one thing that bothers me once they come out of the flashback and then Kurt and Paula drive off is the windows in the car. Everything's white like it's almost like they forgot to fill in something on the screen behind them. And I don't like, I can't think of anything that's around them that would like be blinding through there like that. And it's just, it's one of those things that sorry, if you never noticed it before, because now that I saw it, I can't unsee it. But yeah, I, the Kurt's death. I, same thing. That's, I love that death (laughs) because it's just, (laughs) yeah.
4: Yeah. So this set of scenes, um, You know, I I like how this movie does a lot of things that like subtly show you the difference in times without just being like, oh, yeah, this is the 80s when we're not. You know, like when uh, Duncan is talking to Kurt and Kurt says he's going to bench press him with his dumbbell. (laughs) And he says, if I even hear that your dumbbell has had a Pilates class, you see Kurt go, what? It was like in the 80s and they didn't know what the hell Pilates was like that. That was hilarious to me. Um that this movie's chock full of moments like that. Um I like that, like you said, Shan, the uh the the um, the little Easter eggs or tributes to movies that paved the way for the genre. Uh the Friday the thirteenth song with the counselors all wearing the yellow shirts that are similar. Um there there's tons of stuff like that in this movie. But at the same time, it, it's not a direct ripoff or a direct, you know, it, uh, copycat of one particular movie. And so I thought that um, Billy's little origin story was unique enough because I'd never heard of the burning, but uh, it was unique enough to be like, oh, OK, that that's kind of cool. Like they didn't go directly to, oh, he drowned and it's the counselor's fault because right. that would have been really easy to do. <laughs> but then I guess we would have got, had to get his mom involved and Nico would have hated the original. So, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, fast forward. When I said earlier, quote unquote death for Duncan. And then here comes Duncan trotting out of the woods. This is the funniest shit <laughs> I saw in the whole movie. I rewound it and watched this scene like four times because they hit Duncan with the car. And then Kurt goes, Oh, you killed Duncan. <sighs> Okay, let's just go to a hotel for the night. Maybe get into something. Like, that shit cracked me up. That's the funniest line. I laughed my ass off. I recorded it and put it on my Snapchat.
2: Did you catch the outtakes at the end of where they keep running through that with him?
4: Yes. Yes, and it made it so much better. Like, oh, my God, it's hilarious. And then, you know, she hits the pole. And he just gets ejecto cuz straight through the windshield. (laughs) just phenomenal shit. And I still say quote unquote death for Duncan spoiler or foreshadowing to the end of the movie. Um, but yeah, good set of scenes. I, I like all of it. I'm, and I I get what you're saying about. You want it to linger, uh, stay in the moment a little bit more, but again, like Shan said, how many weeks in a row have I bitched about the, the runtime of movies right. because certain scenes go on too long. So I probably would have done the same had they done that. So I'm okay with it. Um, And the moment though, with uh, Max and her mom or Nancy, whichever one you want to believe that she was, uh, it's just another example of her nonverbal acting really still in the show. And so I I can't say that enough. Tyson Formiga, call me sometime just to give me acting tips. Obviously I'm not trying to hit on you. um, Oh, obviously. Yeah, (laughs) clearly. Um. Yeah.
1: Go With ahead. all
3: due respect.
4: With all <laughs> respectfully to your husband. But,
3: but anyway. <laughs> all right. Back inside, Nancy asks if they're in a movie. Max says it's a horror movie. Tina is in a life vest and <laughs> like oven mitts, and she can't take her top off because that's when Billy arrives. Vicky volunteers to be the new final girl, but Chris says she can't because she's not a virgin. Gertie says Max is the only true blue virgin. Gertie. Lo- <laughs> Gertie lost her virginity to an autistic guy, apparently. Chris says they have to get Billy's machete to kill him, and Max has to chop his head off. Chris snaps on Vicky because she talks too much. Nancy says she can be the final girl. Vicky says she can't do it, and Nancy cries and storms out. Max chases after her. She finds her under a tree, and she asks, am I really going to die? Max says yeah, and she tells Max of her dreams. She met a guy after college, and they had a baby girl. She says she would have been a great mom. She jokes what kind of camp has waterbeds and Max holds her. Max says we have to fight. Chris goes to the chalkboard and they're going to use Tina as the bait to booby trap Billy. They all start rigging up contraptions. Vicky is crying and apologizes to Gertie about the mean things she did to her in the past. Gertie apologizes for spreading the rumor last summer of her. Vicky apologizes to Max now and says she's always looked up to her and asks her to be brave again. She says she's the mean girl in an 80s horror movie and her time is running up. Tina tries to remove the oven mitts, and she asks about her phone. She now mocks him, not believing it's actually a phone. Chris says it's almost time and checks on Max. He says he's scared. Tina now gets a hold of the Adderall. Max and Nancy are in a cabin putting together arrows, and she asks Max about her parents, and Max tells her how awesome her mom was. She now gives her a friendship bracelet so she doesn't forget her. She says she's going to miss Max if it all works out and they go home. Max says she doesn't have to stay here. She can come home with her in the valley and she can be whoever she wants to be. She now reveals no one shops at the mall anymore, mostly online. They now share a big hug. The others come get them and show them that Tina has taken 30 Adderall. She's hyped and says she's got this. Vicky jokes she thinks she's more focused now. Chris says this is it. Everyone is set up. Nancy starts the record, and Tina starts to dance and strip. Tina flashes, and we see Billy show up through the fog. Tina turns around and runs and falls into like this bear trap. Billy enters, and they cut this rope, and a log knocks him into the door with deer antlers on it. Blake says he loves Gertie, and they kiss. Blake goes downstairs, and Billy kills him with like a stab through his core. They shoot at Billy now with flaming arrows, and Billy makes it upstairs, pushing a bookcase on Vicky and Gertie then killing them with the machete. Max, Chris, and Nancy escape through the window. The bucket of gas pours on Billy, blowing up the room, but he jumps out the window after them. All right, Brian, go ahead. The next two scenes are the ending.
1: I'm going to brag a little bit more on the the lighting and uh, cinematography in this group of scenes. Uh, the lighting I thought was tremendous, especially in the scene with Max and, uh, and Nancy. Again, just another amazing point in the movie between those two. And, and, and we actually get two of those moments here. <clears throat> And, and I do like how the movie kind of gives you this, it kind of gives you some, some hope, you know, false hope, I guess, that Max could, could even maybe get out of the movie. Although we know, even without even seeing it, you know, just by the way that, you know, Thaisa gives those nonverbal cues um, when they're given a hug, you know, that Dustin was talking about, that you know that it's false and almost like tragic hope. Um, but, but I I like how the movie kind of, you know, steers you in that direction a little bit. A little nitpick, Vicky's speech to Max and Garty. To me, it just didn't seem genuine. Um, I didn't think, no offense to Nina Dobrev, who is actually of Vampire Diaries fame, but, uh, I just, I don't know. I didn't really, it it didn't feel the same. I think we were getting such good acting and other points in the movie that, that whenever we get this, this part, it just kind of, I don't know, didn't hit that level to me. Uh, Well, real quick,
4: real quick, just to kind of piggyback on that while we're in the moment. I think that might have been the
1: point, though, because it wasn't genuine. She's just scared shitless and doesn't want to die. Well, when I OK, when I mean when I mean genuine, I mean, it just doesn't feel realistic. Uh, That's what I meant. Uh, by Genuine. Uh, I I know that she's not being genuine in the stuff that she's saying. So maybe that was bad wording. I just meant like she it wasn't realistic to me. She didn't seem upset. She didn't you know, and she was trying to be.
2: I, I got you. it written down that she she needs to stop trying to quote unquote help. she's actually just getting bitchier as things move on
1: which which is like what Dustin said, probably what the you know the the right. point of it, but uh I was just complaining about her acting, which who am I again to talk about anybody's acting? it just it didn't feel right. it kind of took me out of it I want to point out too here the lighting uh you can actually even see the bugs. Um, and I thought it kind of sets this like tremendous atmosphere. You you felt like you were there. You felt like you were outside. I loved it, you know, and I, I'm sure I'm sure we all have that fun fact about friend of the show, Angela Trimber, improvising her entire dance scene here, slamming those energy drinks and basically, basically how I picture Mike whenever he's on pre-workout and he's texting us. I this this is, that's the image I get on my head. Just so you know, Mike, the antlers definitely have to be an homage to Silent Night, Deadly Night here. Uh, But I thought, again, cinematography, I sound like a a broken record. But in this scene where Blake is killed, the whole rotating shot I thought was great. Um, I will say a little nitpick, though. The whole Cabin Home Alone thing they had set up for Billy, I don't know if it was the music. I I think it was the music, a lot of the music. I hated the music. Um, I hated it. I hated the music, especially here. Um, But the whole tone kind of felt off, and maybe that was why. But, you know, I kind of wanted that real horror feel there like the the real friday 13th type feel there and i felt like honestly they were kind of going for that but i just it didn't go and i think it was i think it was the music to me but i don't know uh billy jumping out the window though was a fantastic shot and uh lastly the slow motion gag made me laugh you know i thought that was good at first but i kind of think it went a little too far with the when they go through the woods here in the next group um so it was good at first but i think they they milked that a little bit too much
2: I think it was supposed to go longer originally. God. Right?
1: Yeah, he The director wanted
4: it to go three minutes Ooh. of slow-mo. Yeah. And yeah. everyone was like, no, let's not do that. Thank God.
2: It Thank God. felt like it was longer than that in what end yeah. of the movie. Right. Okay. So the part where Gertie's taught, like where they're trying to decide who's going to be the new finer girl. And Gertie's disclosing she lost her virginity and, um, Vicky asks, wasn't he autistic? It was actually supposed to be kind of a mean-spirited scene. And Allie out she was like, I'm not doing that. Um, and so she improvised and made it sound better. And the director kind of went with it. Like I said, I mean, he was all for improv through the movie.
1: Yeah, and didn't the writers, i like, commend her for doing that?
2: Yeah, yeah. Like, they they yeah. said they're like, a oh, should have done it from the start. Yeah. Yeah, when they're all out there, like, trying to prep and... Gertie and Vicky are like going back and forth kind of apologizing <laughs> and uh, Gertie says about the rumor she made up about Vicky and she's just like that's evil and Gertie like just proudly responds thank you like I, I still laugh every time because it's like that genuine like she's so proud of herself for that one um, when Max and Nancy are talking and like thinking they can beat Billy at the end and then they're just going to go home that always like it kind of gets me because you watched when you first dropped in. And I know obviously like a little bit of like traumatic shock, all that stuff. You watched the movie loop a couple times as you guys were sitting out in the woods before you came to the camp. Like, and you know, those people died and now 92 minutes later, they're back there again. So that's one thing. It's like, they never say like, we don't know how they actually got into the movie. We also don't know how they were going to get back out. Like, it's just kind of one of those, they imply it's, oh, the movie ends and we're just going to go home. It's one of those that, like with Last Action Hero, wasn't a great explanation, but at least there was a slight explanation as to how it happened. And this one, we just, we don't get that. I don't know if in anywhere else in the changes, if there was an explanation of how they got in there, but... I, I can't hear the song Cherry Pie now. Ever since seeing this movie, without thinking of it now, like what's funny though is the movie or the song wasn't even out when this movie supposedly took place. And then yeah, you touched on the stuff with Angela Trimber with the Red Bull and stuff. The fly that she focused on, like that wasn't a digital ad. That was literally a fly flew into the scene and she just like started focusing on it and then the the scene right there where billy goes out the window on fire it looks awesome the only thing that bugs me is everything they shot on him was in the front and then he jumps out the window and he's not on fire in the front everything's in the back (laughs) but it still looks really cool
4: yeah so on this set of scenes like i love how well first of all the revelation think about how yeah, how unbelievable that would be if someone were to tell you this isn't real like this is a movie like they they accepted that a little bit too easily for me i'd be like these these people are nuts um i don't know i don't know how you would handle that if it happened to you um but i love how like i mentioned earlier how they keep doing these things to where mentioning things or showing I guess the difference in times in present day versus the eighties. So Pilates was the first name, but then you get the uh like the phone when she's like, Oh yeah, I'm calling someone. Oh no wait to can't, there's no cord. Like that was funny. And you know, we get the uh the Adderall. She didn't know what Adderall was, of course. Uh and then when she's talking to her and she's like, Yeah, you know, people don't really shop in malls anymore. She's like, What? I like how she got never mind, I made that up, keep going. Like that was funny. Um but, man, that was a another one of those scenes from Thaisa where it's just, like, so emotional, really. And I like how this movie does that. Like, it'll have serious, like, it's not just 100% stupid comedy spoof the whole time. There's actually some touching moments in this movie. I didn't exactly. expect that. Exactly. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the genuine connection that you feel that Max and Nancy have. And I think that just speaks volumes to both of their acting abilities. And I agree with you, Shan, like that's one of my, really my only nitpick with this movie. And I'm going to have to skip ahead so I can get my point across and touch on something in the ending here. But you mentioned how there's no explanation of how they got there or how they're going to get back home. They just assume when the movie's over, they get to go home. But like you said, they saw every ninety two minutes the van kept rolling around. So the movie's just on loop. So what the hell I I don't understand how when this movie actually ends, they end up in the sequel. Right. Because if that's the case, it would have been longer than ninety two minutes if it was gonna go original sequel, original sequel in a loop. Um it would have been longer than ninety two minutes. And then also how the hell did spoiler, everyone live Oh, yeah, that's definitely yeah. one of my picks. Like, if everyone lived, then shouldn't Nancy have lived too? And shouldn't have Kurt have lived? And, you know, and so that, that didn't, that didn't do it. That didn't work for me. That's like my only, I would have much rather her woke up in a bed and just be like, oh, it was all a dream. That would have been much more satisfactory like, than the would, lack of explanation would that we have got.
2: Made sense there, then.
4: Yeah. Um, and side note, does Blake not remind you of Jaws from the Burger King Kids Club? Oh, Do you my God. The- oh, my God. Dude, you can't unsee it cuts. now,
1: right? That's deep cuts right there.
4: That is deep cuts. But if you remember the Burger King commercials from the 90s and the, the Kids Club, the Happy Meals, the, the group of kids that was on everything. You had the kid in the wheelchair whose name is Wheels, which is really fucked up. Um, <laughs> Jaws was the black kid. And I swear to you, Blake, that's that's him. Incarnate. Um, so look Maybe. it up, and you won't be able to unsee that. Maybe that's who yeah. it reminds me of.
2: Not going to be able to unsee that one for sure. <laughs>
4: <laughs> but uh, you know, like I said, I mentioned how I love how we get the touching moments interwoven with the uh, the the spoof comedy moments. Another touching moment from Vicky where she's apologizing. But I don't like like I mentioned when you were talking, Brian. I don't think it was actually that touching because it wasn't genuine. Like she's just like I think she was just trying to clear her conscience so that she might have a chance at winning or at living because she's not the bitchy spoiled girl. Maybe she's, you know, can redeem herself is the way I took that. But, um, I like how they lured him in the uh, Billy into the house with the boobs. And then you get the booby <laughs> traps. And I like how not all the booby traps work because that's much more realistic than when we watch a movie and they're able to set these, you know, immaculate and intricate traps that just always go off without a hitch. I like I how just, not all these work.
1: Can I just interject that I wanted so badly that, that, uh, uh, chalkboard to say booby traps, but B O O B I E. Don't, I don't know. That just would have been such a great touch right there. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, that would have be been good. Uh, and
4: sp- speaking of boobs while we're on it, I like how earlier when they're explaining, uh, you know, why Tina has to stay dressed. She goes, he doesn't like my boobs. Are they too small or something like whatever she said about that. That made me laugh. That's another one of those. I think,
2: I think that was another improv line. I, I had watched the commentary on the Blu-ray and I, yeah. if I remember correctly, I think she said she just kind of threw that in there.
4: Yeah, it was great. I, I think what she said was actually uh why? Because they're not big or whatever, but yeah, Great line there. But, yeah, I, I like how, like I said, I like how the trap didn't go off as expe- as expected. Um, my man Billy just ate those arrows, just kept trucking. He's a badass. Billy badass, if you will. Um, great scene where he jumped through the window, like you said. The slow motion went on a bit long. Thank God it didn't go on even longer. But, yeah, this set of scenes really has, uh, it really drives home my biggest gripe with the movie, and that's that oh, yeah, we don't know how they're going to ever get out of this. They can't just walk back through the movie screen back into the burnt-down varsity. So, Anyway, I can still enjoy it, though, at this point. Uh, the whole movie, I can still enjoy it. it's. It's funny enough to keep me entertained.
3: All right, here's the ending. Uh, Billy lands in front of them, and the three run into the woods being chased by Billy in slow motion. They go to jump across a body of water, then the slow motion stops, and they land in a puddle. They have Nancy tell the story of Billy again so the flashback happens. They turn around and Billy is still there and he gets run over by the car with the counselors. They take his machete and we see him running out the outhouse burned. They follow him into the woods and see a cabin and they have Nancy in the flashback. Billy is behind him and he stabs Chris. We see Billy carrying off Nancy and he says she's gone but Max helps Chris hobble to like this abandoned church. She tends to his wound and he says she's not real and she's dead. Chris says he doesn't want to die alone. She tells him he's not going to die. Max leaves the church with the machete in pursuit of Billy. She makes it to the abandoned cabin and enters. It's lit with flashing red lights. Max sees dead bodies throughout the house, and she finds Nancy. She unties her, then Billy appears. He flings Max into the wall, and Nancy gets uh, free, attacking him with a piece of lumber. Billy chokeslams Max and stabs her. Nancy gets the machete and stabs Billy. Nancy drops the machete and grabs Max, and they hobble back to the church. She asks if she's dying, but Nancy says she can fix it. Max says she's dying so she can be the final girl, but Nancy says that's not who I am. Max says she wanted to save her. Max calls her mom and tells her about her life and tells her she has a daughter and she's not leaving without her and doesn't want to lose her again. She tells her, you have to let me go. She tells Max bye, and Max tells her I love you. She says, you're right, I am a movie star, though. She walks outside to Betty Davis' eyes into the field, and she unbuttons her shirt and dances. Billy now appears behind her walking. She blows Max a kiss, and Billy stabs through her chest, and lightning strikes everywhere. Max arises and grabs the machete and exits the church. You just fucked with the wrong virgin, she says, and she charges Billy in an epic fight. He tosses her, and she drops the machete. She runs to it and grabs it and slides under the throne knife, and she decapitates Billy. Now she sees credits roll over the trees. Chris joins her and hugs her and holds her. She says it's over, and they now share a kiss. The screen behind them changes in white screen. Max wakes up now in a hospital bed in the same room with Chris, and the three others are there too. Vicky says we're home. Duncan says it wasn't a dream. He still has his machete wound. Max still has her mom's bracelet and smiles. They hear Billy's music in the background. Though, they look out in the hall, and they're in Camp Bloodbath 2 now. Duncan says the sequel is so much cooler. Max charges Billy in attack mode in the real end credits roll. What do you think, Brian, of the ending?
1: I don't. You know, I actually, it's mostly negative, but uh, but I mean, there were some there were some good points in it. I just, I don't know. Using the flashback was a pretty clever idea, in, in writing there, um, I thought it was a little baby, maybe too parody-ish though. Uh, Again, the music here to me doesn't give me any sort of like horror-esque mood. Uh, I didn't feel the stakes here. I wasn't a fan of, I wasn't a fan of this whole thing. Even the, even the exchange between Max and Chris, uh, I thought seemed forced uh, with him telling her that she isn't real. And, and, and then, oh, I'm dying right afterwards. It was just, I don't know. It was awkward. I didn't like, again, I didn't feel those stakes. Um, Now, when, uh, when she was in the cabin uh, finally kind of gave me some of that vibe I was looking for, but I don't know. It's still, it still just, just didn't hit home for me. Um, I liked the fight scene. They had great choreography and acting there. Um, I will say that, you know, it kind of feels weird. Um, This is a little bit nitpick and I don't know, it may be a hot take, but I feel like that it just, it felt weird that Nancy was, was willing to sacrifice herself um, to let Max be the final girl. Before she knew her about being her mom, I mean, I kind of wish that she would have told her that before. To me, it would have made more sense, like with her wanting to sacrifice herself um, <clears throat> before, like before knowing. I don't know if, if that makes sense, you know. But the scene between Nancy and Max is it, it's definitely powerful. I mean, it could definitely be a tearjerker, especially if if you're somebody that that's lost a parent and you're you know relating to characters in here. Um, I thought that was just great acting between the two of them. And again, that's just my, my only critique is that I think it, it could have come earlier. And I think it would have made that scene even more powerful. Both of them, again, just played the shit out of it. Um, you know, I, I loved the shot with Nancy's eyes closing Max's opening. Um, and again, the, the choreography for the final fight, I thought was great. It, I could have done without the super strong superhero hits. That kind of took me out of it a little bit. I'm going to be honest, but, uh, what else love seeing the cast you know, the text um going on the uh going in the background and her watching it. Fantastic little creative touch. And uh, you know, I, I like them waking up in the hospital, you know, a la, I guess, Halloween two or, you know, a bunch of other different movies, but you know, it turns out they're in the sequel. I just, like Dustin, wish that they all wouldn't have lived. But I definitely would have loved to have seen the sequel to this and maybe them answer some of these questions that we have you know, about how they can get out or maybe some some mythology or how they even got into it in the first place. I don't know where you could go with it. But it's a sequel I definitely would like to see. But I, I doubt that we'll ever get it.
2: Yeah. So when they do the flashback again, it's like obviously they're trying to escape Billy and he just he travels right into the flashback. Like it's one of those I think if he had been farther away, maybe that wouldn't have happened. But like it was good in theory. It just obviously it didn't pan out great. You get to see more of the flashback, though, to know like about the cabin that's out there because I don't believe they showed that the first time through the flashback. And obviously that's kind of how Max is like, oh, I know where Billy's taking Nancy when he carries her off. After Nancy goes out and she ends up sacrificing herself, and then I, I agree, I like that shot where her eyes close and Max is open. It's kind of like... Oh, it comes back to the final girl concept of y- you can't have two final girls. So one of them has to go. And then Max comes out, you get to say fuck one time in a PG 13 movie. And honestly, the line you just fucked with the wrong virgin, I think is, I think it was the right place to use it at. I think it worked. The light. not We'll call it lighting for back lack of a better term, but like the way that they do the sky and the colored lights coming through the windows, like all the visuals of that are just they're kind of over the top, but I really like the way they look. Um, because it's not just your typical dark drab, you're out in the woods, everything's just dark. Like it had a different feel to it. Um, and I, I just I like the way it looked. They did a lot of that with the sky you saw it in the beginning of the movie when they were driving down the road. Um, and obviously that's all they went in with CGI obviously after the fact to make all of that happen. But I like the way it looks. So when Max is fighting Billy, I agree that the like superhero type fight to a point is a little over the top. We don't need that. She could have just been fighting like normal. The minute that she chops off Billy's head, you see the sky instantly clear up. Like the storm stops so it's, it's kind of neat how it's like literally the minute his head falls, the sky clears. And then that's when Chris comes up and the credits start to roll. And then when they wake up in the hospital, the original ending of the film only had Max and Chris surviving. Um, test audiences, they thought it was too much of a downer, so they reshot it. And what we have is like a combination of what they shot. There was other ones, like Dustin, you said like how much Kurt... And he was, he was a fan favorite with test audiences. They even shot ones where he somehow magically ended up in the hospital. Yeah, I mean, basically, every ending they shot, test audiences weren't a big fan. And this is like the one spot where, as much as I love the rest of the movie, I feel like there had to be a better ending out there, and they just didn't find it. But I still enjoy it, so I'll let it go.
4: Yeah, so um, on the set scenes... We get another really touching moment between Max and Nancy, uh, and it is sad as hell when Max has to accept Nancy's death again. You know, and, and she's trying to tell her, "No, you have a daughter, just come home to me." Blah blah blah. Like you said, Brian, uh, as someone who has lost a parent, it was very uh, not really emotional for me, but it, it did, I definitely connected with it because if I could put myself in Max's shoes and think about how. If I was thrown into a world with a young version of my dad and I knew how it was going to play out, but I was you know trying to convince him and myself that there's some way that we could just go home that, like yeah, I thought that uh, it's very relatable, and just another 10 out of ten performance in this set of scenes from Thaisa Formiga. Um, and then I wrote my notes. what Why the hell did everyone live? So, I get what you're saying. Like, it tested horrible. People thought it was too dark, too heavy, too sad. Who cares? Right. Stick with it. It would have made so much more sense. What's the point in them dying earlier in the movie? And if they're going to live, then why not everyone live? Because it doesn't make sense. And then how can the bracelet, you know, the bracelet went with her. It traveled with her outside of the quote unquote movie world. So why couldn't Nancy or Kurt or, you know, the, the other people, why couldn't they travel with her beyond the end of the movie? Um, so that, that's just, that's the plot holes, the continuity holes that didn't really make sense. Didn't work for me. I would actually love the con the, I love the concept of them being, okay, this movie's over. So now we're home, right? No, we're in the sequel. I love that concept. If it was just explained better. Right. Agreed um it just ending didn't work but like you said shan i'm willing to forgive it because the rest of this movie was so fun to me that yeah i can get over the last
3: seven minutes of the movie y'all got any more final thoughts for jumping to some fun facts uh no sir no i actually don't have any fun facts all of mine i had saved were said does anybody else have some um i just have
1: two uh there's a lot of them but i just picked two of them that i really liked um in the original script, the kids began uh, undergoing physical and psychological transformations after they entered the film. The girls' waistline shrunk, their breasts ballooned, and uh, <laughs> Gertie was so enamored uh, of her newfound beauty that she tried to sabotage her friends to ensure they could never leave. I actually would have liked to have really seen that, but again, if you if you add the stuff that I really want to see, uh, we would add it over two hour movie. And, and I get I get it, I get it, um, but you know it's interesting. Um, And lastly, speaking of runtime, the running time of Camp Bloodbath is 92 minutes, which is the same length as the final girls as well.
2: The only other one I have, um, the song the writers originally wanted to use instead of Betty Davis' eyes was like a prayer from Madonna. But there was licensing issues with it. Like they even wrote a letter to Madonna asking to use it. And she was like, you can use any other song in my catalog She's like, but I don't have the license for that one. So then they ended up going with Betty Davis eyes. And I just have a small recommendation for anybody out there that like loves eighties horror and you have access to shutter. If you don't, you should, there's a couple documentaries on there called in search of darkness. There's two parts already. And by parts, I mean, they're like each four hours a piece part three. Yeah. It's you're not going to sit down and watch it in one day, but if you like eighties, like that sounds
1: like a challenge. <laughs> yeah, challenging. <exception.
2: laughs> I want to see you watch both parts back to back, all eight hours.
4: <laughs> but- Adderall.
2: <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but if you like eighties horror, seriously, go check those out. I was reminded of movies that I had forgotten about that I had watched, and I also have found some new ones. And they're actually working on part three. So, if you like eighties horror like I do, it's definitely worth a watch.
4: So I just got a couple. Uh, in the original script, Billy Murphy was not named Billy Murphy. He was actually named Hatchet Face. What a stupid name! It's almost like scare face. Um <laughs> The the reason that the Adderall scene was so funny was because obviously because this movie Bloodbath Camp Bloodbath took place in the eighties. Adderall wasn't approved by the FB, FDA and released until nineteen ninety six. So that's that was the significance there. I meant to say that earlier. And then uh, the last thing I have, since Shan didn't say it, I'll go ahead and do it. Shan actually is the one that found this connection tonight, so I'm going to do it for old time's sake. Malin Ackerman was in The Watchman with Patrick Wilson, who, of course, was in Bone Tomahawk with the great, great David Arquette. Oh, two greats.
3: All righty. Uh, y'all ready to jump into the favorite part of the show, the rating? Favorite kill, and least favorite kill? I'll just go ahead. I'll go first tonight since I, I'm probably not the biggest fan. Let's end this on a high note. Uh, (laughs) Favorite kill, I picked Kurt just like everyone else. The bent legs. I mean, it was just that was the coolest. That was the best scene. Uh, Least favorite, I just chose the off screen kills of the counselors from Billy Murphy. Uh, Rating, short and sweet here. Uh, You know, I've come to realize I'm not really a horror comedy fan, and I'm already self admitted not a meta fan. Uh, I think the acting was fine. The cast was really fun. And there were some funny moments and, you know, powerful moments and all that. Uh, I'm just not a big fan of the movie. I gave I gave it a five. I'm sorry, Shan. I hope I didn't hurt your feelings.
2: Nope. I, I, Hey, I told you ahead of time that I knew you weren't a meta fan and I knew you weren't super huge on horror comedy. So I knew that I had a funny feeling you weren't going to be a big fan of it, but it was just, it was one I enjoyed. So I apologize to you too ahead of time.
3: Hey, I gave, I gave jaws a nine. Don't forget that.
2: I know, it
3: evens out. I can go ahead and go. All right. So, I like this
4: movie a lot more than Jaws. It's more enjoyable. It's it's an easier watch, like I said. Um, This movie, I don't know, it's just something about it. Now, if I were to rate this as a horror movie, if I were just to say how good of a horror strictly movie is this, it's not very good. Probably get a low rating. But, as far as overall enjoyability i really liked it um so let's get the kills out of the way my least favorite death was amanda cartwright because it's sad as hell that uh you know and it set the tone for max being sad this whole movie and that beautiful young lady doesn't deserve to be sad um (laughs) so amanda cartwright is my least favorite death and in a stunning twist this is the first time this has ever happened on the show my favorite death is the same woman but it's nancy because of the significance. Like, I thought that was such a beautiful moment when she's like, no, I'm going to do this. Let me do it. And it was like an empowering moment where she stepped up and bit the bullet or bit the machete to the back and let uh, Max live. So while I think that Kurt's death looked great and was a part of an incredible scene, yes. But the significance of Nancy's death at the end made it my favorite death. So the same woman is actually my least favorite and my favorite death. Um, but as far as rating goes, I was back and forth on how to rate. This. this is a very hard movie to rate because like I said, I enjoy it, but I also acknowledge it's bad. It's almost like a guilty pleasure movie, but it's truly more pleasure. So I gave it a
1: seven and a half. I'll, take- I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and go, Shane. You can go last since, okay. uh, this is your pick. You know, my, my favorite kill I already said it was Kurt. Um, my least favorite kill actually was uh, was Paula. Was that was that her name? The the, the final girl. That, yeah. They were supposed to be final girl. I don't know. I just I felt that was like this anticlimactic. Like you know, yeah, the car blew up. I don't know. Maybe have her run out on fire or something. That would have made it a little bit better. I don't know. I expected a little bit more from that. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, there was just a lot of off screen kills that were kind of blah. But honestly, there's a lot of off screen kills like that to just have blood splatter in in a, in a lot of Friday Thirteenth movies. So. Uh, we we have, we've done a lot and we've complained about a lot of them. So um, I get it. So this kind of fit. Um, I just kind of want to maybe rather seen a little bit more all in all. uh, Is this a movie with flaws? Yes. Um, It's a borderline spoof, like I said, but, but to me, the heart, the heart is, is well, the heart of the movie, I guess. And uh, you know, I really enjoy it. So when I rate this, Um, I'm really, you know, right there with Dustin, I I, I wrote it almost the same thing that I'm not really rating this on anything except my enjoyment factor, which which I do sometimes, you know, some movies like um, The Shining, for example, we talk about that a lot. But, you know, I, I, I didn't have a huge enjoyment factor, but I rated it higher than I would have for enjoyment because of. I, I acknowledge that it's a you know a very well done, well put together movie. Um, it's it's timeless, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This one totally on my enjoyment factor, and I gave it a seven point five as well.
2: Sounds good. Um, yeah, like I said, a favorite death was Kurt. I did. I kind of went back and forth in regards to like my least favorite, and basically kind of what you said, Brian. Paula, for someone who was supposed to be the final girl, it was just like. You blow her up in a vehicle and I mean, you don't really, that's just it. Like anticlimactic, I think was the right word for it. Um, Cause there was, there was a lot of stuff that happened off screen, hence the PG 13 rating. And I just feel like for the character that was supposed to be the most important one originally, like, I think they, sh- I think they could have done more with her as for my rating. Yeah. I I did. I, I went back and forth. I was like, okay. Enjoyment obviously is way up there. I will absolutely admit that there are things that I could see improve. There are some flaws. So I put it at an eight, like I can pop it on. I do. I enjoy it. I've watched it with my daughter several times. It. I still laugh at some of the same lines over and over. And that's pretty much why I enjoy it is it's just a fun watch. It's, an hour and a half. So it's not like you're going to be sitting there forever. And so I just, I think everybody worked together well in the movie. So it is, it's a fun watch. I enjoy it.
4: Absolutely. and With Mike being on vacation, we don't have his rating to give you. So we're tentatively sitting at a composite score of a seven on this movie, which IMDb has it as a 6.6. So we're right nice. there. We're right on. Nice. Oh, nice.
2: we it's
4: like,
3: we know what we're doing. <laughs> Yeah, we're pretty good at this. Uh, any more final thoughts before we uh, just jump into announcing some or giving a shout out to our blood donors?
1: No, just thank you very much, Chanford, for coming on again. We, as always, we enjoy having you. And happy birthday. And happy
2: birthday. <laughs> thank you. Hey, at Absolutely. least I get to ring my birthday in doing something fun like this.
3: There you go. <laughs> That's right. We really appreciate you, Shan. uh I'm just going to give a quick shout out to our blood donors, uh, legendary blood donors, two time legendary blood donor, Miss Joe Swinford, uh, really appreciate it. You're awesome. Mr. Sean Irwin, Mr. Matt Sears, the great Shan Petrusiewicz who just graced us with another appearance on the show. Uh, Miss Michelle Merza. She's awesome. My guy, Austin Graham, uh, sending out the daily be blessed Snapchat in the morning. Um, uh, Mr. Andrew Ferguson, really appreciate you. A uh, shout-out to our Dream Warriors blood donors, Miss Tasha Reed and my man Hunter Nelson. And a big shout-out to our camp counselor blood donors, Mickey McCrane, Mr. Jared Summers, Dennis Kennedy, and Mr. Joseph Clayton. We really, really appreciate all of you uh, donating to us and helping us uh, pay for this podcast. It means a lot to us. Shane, you got any more final thoughts for uh, I just announced next week's uh, pick?
2: No, nope, I'm just glad that I got to talk about this with you guys because it was a fun one. And glad I could surprise Dustin with something that he enjoyed.
1: Hey, tell, yeah, every- tell everybody uh, your social media addresses so people can give you a follow, buy you- buy some of your cookies, things like that.
2: <laughs> um, you know what? That's a great question. <laughs> I actually have to look. I honestly, We'll link it on your guys' page on Twitter and stuff.
3: Yeah, we'll uh, we'll tag in our Instagram and Facebook <laughs> and all that. Way to drop the ball on that one. I, <laughs> hey, it's her birthday. Don't be mean, Brian. I'm just, I'll, I'm just kidding.
1: I'm just kidding. Happy birthday.
3: Happy birthday, again. I really appreciate you uh, picking this movie. I mean, it might not have been my favorite, but you know, it, it was fun. It was a fun watch. I will agree with that. It just horror comedy is just not my biggest cup of tea. Uh. Next week, we'll be taking on another legendary Blood Donor movie pick. Uh, It'll be just us doing it. Uh, She's not joining us, but she chose for us to do The Skeleton Key, one of her personal favorites. Uh, It's a pretty good movie. Uh, I'm I'm excited to do it. Uh, Any more final thoughts before we get out of here? All righty. We really appreciate you, Shan, one more time. You're awesome. And uh, thank you to all of our fans and listeners. Y'all are the best. Uh, We really appreciate everything you do for us. Y'all have a good one. Happy birthday, Shan. Thank you. Just want to remind everybody.